and welcome to episode three of season two of United United. Me, Dave here, and I'm with my good old buddy, Jem. Jem, how are you doing? Good afternoon, Dave. I am very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm very well. I've recovered from my trip up to see you at the weekend. We, we went to a little game, didn't we? We went to a National League game and very enjoyable it was too. We did indeed. Uh, quality standards for you, Dave. Uh, one. <laughs> Wanted to make sure you could see what I get to see every week. Uh, it's, it's nothing, nothing short of perfect, is it? <laughs> it's quite a long way short of perfect, but it was interesting. It was uh, Chesterfield versus Wealdstone, a really big clash in the National League. Chesterfield top of the league at the start of the game. Wealdstone, what mid table, I think. Hmm. And uh, yeah, interesting game. Chesterfield conceded a goal. And that seemed to wake them up, Jem. And then they they ended up three one winners. So great result in the second half. Yep. Yeah, good performance. Yeah, I noticed you put three one on the Instagram, and uh, it seems you forgot about Weldstone's second goal <gasps> that we gifted them. <laughs> but you know what? Continue with. I should have kept it with the three one because that sounds much better. So <laughs> I forgot about that. There was a goal. Was it with the last kick of the game? It was, yeah. It was, yeah. After I think Chesterfield were already in the changing room, weren't they? I think we were. Point. It usually happens. We usually gift other teams goals. Maybe we're a charity club, charity field. And listen to this, listeners. The use of the word we, we, he's saying, we gifted them a goal. We were in the changing room. We're a charity club. This is Jem's team now. What's that other team you used to support, Jem? I don't know. I don't know what you mean. So- <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not sure at all. Are we going to have to change this podcast name to United Chesterfield or something? Potentially, or Chesterfield United. Potentially, um, Dave. I want to get your thoughts on the. There's a few things I want to get your thoughts mm. about. I want to wait till the podcast. Um, mm. First of all, the Chesterfield fans. I want to know your thoughts on them. Uh, the Chesterfield fans. <laughs> They were okay, yeah. I think they were quite noisy, if I remember rightly. Um, they had a few songs, didn't they? Uh, I liked the Belgian Spyrites yep. that came Belgian over. Spyrites. Belgian Spyrites, that was quite good. Coming all the way from Belgium to watch National League game, that's interesting. And I... It, it, sorry, I was going to say, as it turns out as well, opposite us, yep. it turns out that the Spanish Spyrites were also in the in the stadium. So. Wow. Um, international club days, real continental feel to it. I, what I particularly liked, uh, there was a few things I really enjoyed, Jim. I loved the fact that the ice cream van turned up at 10 to 3 yes. and started serving ice creams to the Chesterfield fans. And so, most of the game, parents and kids were returning to their seats with honestly some of the biggest ice cream <laughs> Mr. Whippy Cornets I've ever seen. Absolutely huge, it was quite outstanding. Um, kept all the kids happy. So that was good. And I think there was an ice cream van in each corner, wasn't there? In op- Diagonally opposite. Two ice cream vans in each corner, which was yep. great to see. Great to see. We should have that at Premier League games. Agreed. The other thing, the other thing that I loved, Jem, was the sort of fan involvement. The, the, the way the players get the fan involved, get the fans involved. So <laughs> there were three Chesterfield subs warming up. Warming up in inverted commas, in quotes, warming up. And so what they spent most of their time doing in their warming up was signing autographs and posing for selfies with Chesterfield fans behind the goal. Um, and it was just bizarre. The match was going on and the, the, the 
the subs were signing autographs, Jim. Is this normal? Is this what happens at, at national this, league level? This is all about the fans, Dave. <laughs> See, we've not got these prima donnas that are at West Ham and Manchester United. This is all about the fans. And this is a team who can win and take selfies and sign into autographs <laughs> as they're playing. Um, that's the confidence we have at the minute. Yeah. The only surprise was Paul Cook, the manager, didn't come in and come down and join in <laughs> with the selfies while the game was going on. The other thing, Jim, that caught my eye was, you know, we've, we've talked before on this podcast about the importance, the important role the ball boys and the ball girls yep. can play. And actually, in our attempts to be uh, progressive and forward thinking, we try to find different terminology than ball boys and ball girls, because frankly, that terminology belongs probably back in the 80s before you were born, Jim. And um, we talk about ball operatives and we've struggled to find the right term. Well, I've seen the future, Jim, and Chesterfield talk about being a progressive team. They have got a ball recovery team, yeah, ball recovery team. And they all wear fluorescent uh, orange jackets with ball recovery team on the back of their jacket. So it's clear who they are. It's clear what they're doing. They're recovering the footballs. So, Jem, again, setting the standards for, for the rest to follow. Fantastic. Trailblazers, Dave. Trailblazers. <laughs> A lot of clubs in the country could start looking towards Chesterfield FC. Yeah. Uh, ice cream bands. Players <laughs> signing autographs during games. Ball recovery. I mean, there's not a lot we do wrong, Dave. There, so, there is not. Um, yeah, I mean, brilliant day. And then we had some we had some food, didn't we, Dave? You were you were given a Chesterfield cuisine. <laughs> cuisine but... I was given a choice of so many different options in the uh, in the place we went to. Uh, it's hard to describe what it was. It was like a, a converted pub or something, but it, it had different food stations that you could order things from. And I was very interested in ordering the pasta, wasn't I? Um, yes. but they weren't going to be open for 10 minutes and we were both hungry, so I ordered something else. And the very helpful uh, person who told me about the pasta and told me when the pasta would be available came over to me a bit later <laughs> on to say, oh, you can order your pasta now, just as my <laughs> Japanese katsu curry was delivered to my table. Uh, so it, it was a wonderful moment. It was. It was a wonderful moment. And I think she got the message that I wouldn't be having the pasta that night, particularly when my chips turned up from another food station as well. <laughs> Definitely not the pasta. <laughs> she looked crestfallen, didn't she? She did. Yeah. So good, a good day out all round, Jem. And the other thing that was very refreshing for me, Jem, to, to come up and, and see was a game without VAR. <laughs> a game without VAR, Jem. Because I don't, I can't remember any particularly contentious decisions, but I think that's probably the point, wasn't it? There were, there may have been some decisions that in the Premier League would have gone to VAR, but in the National League, it just play on, just play yep. on. The ref actually had a good game, I thought. I think you told me about the standard of refereeing down at that level, um, but this guy had a great game, and um, yeah, a few contentious decisions, but he made his decision, was firm about it, and play went on. So. It's it's how it used to be, Jim. It's like old school, but but new school. So really enjoyed it, Jim. Gave you a throwback to Upton Park, eh, Dave? Yeah, 
back, back, throw back to Upton Park where you could pretty much touch the goal from from your seat uh, behind the goal. And uh, that's what it used to be like back at Upton Park. So, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, Gem. And um, good luck to, to Chesterfield the rest of the season. They are top by five points, I think. Yep. And we play tonight. We are away at Rochdale, eight o'clock kickoff. So I will be watching that on my perfectly legal fire stick. <laughs> I think you should mention that. <laughs> anyway, Dave. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, maybe we could mention something because during that day, mm. we, while we were having our food, we caught a bit of the Everton Brentford gift. We did. And being um, the uh, football experts that we are, <laughs> what did we say as the game sort of started? Look at Everton. Pathetic. <laughs> Terrible. They'll never do anything in this league. They need to go down and refresh themselves. I think we and said. Then... I think we also said they've got no striker. Calvert Lewin's <laughs> always injured. There's no way. There's, you can't see how they're going to get a point this season. Yep. I mean, as well, we were backed up by the Arsenal game the week before, though, when they lost one nil. Yeah. Um, it was terrible. They had no structures to their play. Yeah. My mum, Everton fan, even agreed. And then what happened, Dave, against Brentford? Well. We went out into your garden for a few minutes because I think you wanted to show me your garage. And um, when we came back in, it was like 3-1 to Everton or something, wasn't it? If I remember rightly. Yeah. Or at least it was 1-0 to Everton. And the next time we looked, it was 3-1 to Everton. It was just bonkers. So that's how much we know about football, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you've got some other things to say about how much I know about football, Dave, because I made a couple of more predictions at the start of the season. Uh, a few things have happened since our last recording. Well, let's look at that, Jem. We've got um, we've got the first one we had was Spurs to win the Carabao Cup, right? And what happened to Spurs? Did I say Carabao Cup when I predicted that? Oh, that's silly, very silly, very very silly of me. I meant the Conference League, <laughs> which the... they're not in. The Audi Cup, maybe you meant? I don't know. Maybe That was the one. Yep. Maybe got lost in translation. But Spurs played, played Fulham because I think you didn't factor in that they, they will be entering the Carabao Cup at round two. So uh, they, I didn't. They did enter at round two, played Fulham and uh, got knocked out. So that was that prediction, Jem. So that, that came and went almost immediately. But then, Jem, no, it's OK because you've predicted Brighton to win the Europa League. Surely this is a banker, Jim. Surely this is a banker. Brighton at home to AEK Athens to start yep. off. Nice, nice game to get you into the group. You've got Ajax and Marseille in that group. Yeah, straightforward you think, game. You know. Straightforward game, Jim. Surely a win. Uh, oh, hang on. Was it 3-2 to AEK Athens? It was. Embarrassing. I'll tell you why it's even more embarrassing, Dave. Yeah. Because... After the international break, which was just after our last recording, uh, we then had a game at Old Trafford. Man United, my I could say my other team. Yep. Uh, uh, well, okay. That team that you pay some attention to. Yeah. No. In passing interest. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really bothered about. They don't trigger me at all. No. <laughs> um, we were facing Brighton. Brighton mm. B team, actually, Dave. It was the the the, the B team of Seagulls uh, coming up against Man United and yeah it was probably our B team as well We've got a lot of injuries but still expect Man United to win at home yeah we got played off the park Dave 
you got, um, you got schooled, I think you could say. We got schooled. We got C-schooled. C <laughs> I don't know if that works, but... Um, <laughs> I, I, it sort of does. C-schooled. <laughs> yeah. Good. Absolutely fuming. And this is Brighton for you. know, their B team going to school Man United at Old Trafford. Yeah. But then they get beat by a bunch of Greek <laughs> part-time farmers in <laughs> the Europa League. So... Oh, so where does that place you, Jim? That's really hard to see, isn't it? Where you are now in the pecking order. You're sort of worse than Greek part-time farmers. It, it just annoys me, Dave. It really annoys me. You know, come on, Brighton, you've got to do a job now to, you know, make sure you don't get us embarrassed mm. even more. But but no, you by losing to them, you embarrassed us further. So mm. not happy with Brighton. Uh, I know Ian's happy. It's someone who is happy. Is that Ian? Yeah. He's very happy with uh, with Brighton losing their first game. He's finding it very funny. Yep. He'll, um, be enjoy- he'll be enjoying that one. He will be. Now, you know, you talked about you, the team that you have a passing interest in, Jem. Uh, the team that I have a passing interest in. Well, honestly, Jem, what a game at the London Stadium. What a game. Thrills and spills, Jem. Goals are plenty. Mm. 62,000 capacity. What an atmosphere, Jem. Wow. Yes, it was the Sidemen versus the YouTube <laughs> All-Stars. They're back. They're back. 8-5 to the Sidemen. Wow. This is the kind of thing. This is what we want to see, Jem. Yep. This is what we want to see. I watched a little bit of it, actually. Not not live. I watched a little bit on, on uh, YouTube, I think, or Instagram or something. And um, I noticed... Uh, they didn't bother, bother with offsides too much. And the reason they didn't bother with offsides too much is because both defences seemed camped out on their 18-yard line. So, basically, long balls up the pitch, no one's offside, and then have a go. And uh, it's the kind of football we want to see, Jim. Oh, 8-5. Yeah. Entertainment value. Exciting stuff. And then, following that up, the following week, there was a sort of, um, yeah, a minor game. Uh don't really, this doesn't really count, Jim. We're not really interested in this one. West Ham against Manchester City. Oh, um, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Smaller capacity for that game. Yeah, yeah. Fewer, fewer fans there, Jim. I did go to this one uh, with uh, Josie. And, Jim, we ran out uh, 3-1 losers in this <laughs> game. <laughs> so, actually, we had the temerity to take the lead, Jim. And that only angered them. Mm. But we did play very well. And I tell you what, Lucas Pakitar in, in midfield. Yep. Great player. Great player, Jem. But he's in the middle of investigations around illegal betting. So uh, he can't be signed by City. And hopefully these investigations will carry on through January. <laughs> <laughs> so that he still can't be signed by City. So we'll see how that goes. But... Uh, yeah, an interesting game, Jim. And um, to back that up, Jim, another three-one score there for uh, to match your score, uh, your second team score against Brighton. And then we went and played Liverpool, and mm. uh, another three-one defeat, Jim. So yep. the wheels are slightly coming off. But Jim, I think what I can say is the performances are there. Uh, in Moyes, we trust, Jim. The performances are there. Yep. And we were a little bit unlucky in both games to lose. So watch this space. We've got Sheffield United this weekend. <laughs> and we will talk a little bit more about them in a minute. We will. But before we do that, I've got a few bones to pick, Dave. Mm. 
Mm, definitely with your team. Mm. Uh, first of all, we'll go to the we'll go to the Man City game. Mm. In fact, I, before we go to that, the week before in the London Stadium, did our friend Speed, I show Speed, play? Almost certainly. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, sure he scored a hat trick. Like, Probably. Uh, Idol Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, but good. I'm glad. I'm glad he was involved. Um, the Man City game, Dave. Uh, you mentioned Paqueta, mm. Lucas Pathetic. Uh, <laughs> he confirmed his name, Lucas Pathetic, when he went. Was he subbed off? I think he got subbed off near the end, and yeah. he hugged Pep Guardiola <laughs> as he went off. Uh, I'm surprised there wasn't sixty thousand people booing at that point. Um, <laughs> and then. The next part, I saw a video go viral, Dave, uh, after this game. And it made me sick. It made me physically sick. Uh, it was worse than when I had Bali Belly when in, on my holiday in Indonesia uh, in June. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And that was West Ham fans and Man City fans chanting to each other. <laughs> And you're going to have to remind me of what was going on, Dave, but something about both teams being European champions and some sort of chant going on and then both teams smiling and applauding each other after. Well, Jim, we are both champions of Europe and West Ham proudly sing that song, being champions of Europe, because we are champions of Europe and we just happen to play another champion of Europe. And so it was a bit of acknowledgement that we're both champions of Europe, Jim. And uh, there you go. How often are you going to get two champions of Europe playing in one stadium together? <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal, Jim. And their mutual respect. I think the Man City fans respected that we are equal champions of Europe to them. And, uh, you know, I would say we're a little bit ahead of them. But, you know, if they want to say we're equal, that's fine. But, you know, I think the Conference League and what we did in the Conference League to win... What did we win? 12 out of 13 games to win that, unbeaten in the whole tournament. Mm. Uh, the winning goal in the last minute, you know, it's far outweighs the, what Man City did, really. Just scrambled goal in the final to win it 1-0, you know. <laughs> pathetic, really. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they gave us the respect that we deserve, Jem. And we sort of acknowledged their little part in, in European football last season. So that worked out well. And on the Paqueta uh, Pep conversation, Jem, I know actually what was said. I know what was said. All right. Um, and what was said was, um, come to us. Come to us. And I think Pep replied, I'll think about it. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out. I'm obviously, Pep's got a lot of respect for Moyes and will obviously wouldn't put himself forward for the West Ham job until Moyes retires which could be several years yet. But, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm not done there yet, Dave, either. Oh, God. Because I saw another clip. Yeah. Pre-Liverpool game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a guy that we've got beef with anyway. Well, I have. Maybe you're not as you're not as bad with him. But rival podcasters, Mikhail Antonio yeah. and Callum Wilson. Mm. You know, with their silly little... The guy that has to sort of lead the conversation so that they can have discussion points. It's embarrassing. Um, (laughs) That's so true. Not like us, Jim. No. No. We 
blunder we use our, our way notebooks. through it. Yeah, we use our notebooks. We blunder our way through it. Freewheeling. Exactly. exactly. That's what the listeners uh, want. You know, we do it manually. They've got their in automatic mode, aren't they? They're, <laughs> They're prompted. Yeah. Yeah. But um, he made a prediction on that podcast, Dave, and I thought this was just setting you up to fail. And he said, I believe that we, West Ham United, will finish above Liverpool um, in the league this season. Mm. And he said, I mean that. I mean that with my my heart. And then it was looking good for, what, 60 minutes? And then, then, yeah, like you said, 3-1 loss. Uh, 3-1 loss to Man City. 3-1 3-1 loss to Liverpool, but at least you man- managed to beat the uh, the washing-up liquid company you beat on the Thursday night. <laughs> well, another another 3-1, Jim. Another 3-1. Another 3-1. This, this podcast probably should be called 3-1 because yeah. we played... Um, we played a Serbian, the Serbian champions, actually, Jem, no less than the Serbian champions in our Europa League first home group game, Jem. The Serbia ta- champions, Bakatopola. And, you know, the question I would ask you, Jem, is would you back a team like that to topple a European giant like West Ham? Uh, uh, the, the answer is yes. Well, no, because you might back them. You'd lose your money, Jem. Because look what happened. We we toyed with them. We toyed with them in the first half. Even uh, Ogbonna decided to sort of hand them a goal to make the game interesting, kick it into life. And then, Jim, second half, we destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. 3-1. And, you know, kudos to West Ham, Jim, for playing kudos at the start of the game, and he scored one, was involved in a own goal for the other one, and generally had a had a good game, Jem. So, Jem, mm. we are back on the march again. We are going to be champions of Europe again. And as I've said to, on this podcast before, Jem, to bore the listeners again, we're either going to win the Europa League or we're going to win the Conference League. So we're either going to do so well in the Europa League that we qualify in first place and then go on to win it, or we're going to do so badly in the Europa League that we end up in third place and get pushed down to the Conference League and win that. Particularly as Aston Villa went and lost in their first game in the Conference League. Yeah. They don't know how to play that league, Jim. We do. Get them out of the way. Get, get the big boys in there. Yeah. It is embarrassing. Yep. That's, that's your, your competition. That your is competition. our competition. It's got our name on it, quite literally, Jim. Yeah. Uh, so that was that one, Jim. And... Um, Man United, what was their uh, what was their European adventure like? Uh, well, I mentioned we had the Brighton game, mm. and then we played Bayern mm. in our first game away. Yeah, uh, a meeting with Harry Kane in Munich. Yeah, uh, and I forgot to mention in the Brighton game there was a mm, how could I say that a surprise star came out of this game. Uh, he got quite good reviews. Uh, and he's a loan signing for Man United, and they say never fall in love with a loan player. Mm. And I was expecting, nah, it's just just one game. He's just trying to prove prove people that he should be here. And uh, and then this surprise star had another fine performance. I say fine; it was a brilliant performance out in Munich. Um, and that guy is Sergio Reguilón. <laughs> Spurs reject. Spurs rejects. I cannot Spurs... give this guy any credit, Jim. Well, a Spurs reject 
is Man United's best player currently. So that sums us up, Dave. Um, and he had a great game. He, he was he was making overlapping runs. He was confident on the ball. He he looks after the ball. His retention was brilliant. Mm. And then you had some lazy Mardi throwing his hands up every time something didn't go his way, not tracking back. Yeah, Winger playing alongside him and Reggion, you know, he's trying to encourage him towards the end of the game. I think he'd given up. He's realised there's no hope for this guy. And that is Marcus Trashford. <laughs> the guy, the guy, you know, people, people use the words papering over the cracks. That's what Rashford was last season. He scored, what, 30 goals. Half of them were against Burnley in the Carabao Cup and, uh, I don't know, Red Star Belgrade in the Europa League. Mm, some people were calling him Sir Marcus, Lord Marcus, um, Dr. Sir Marcus, if I remember Idiot. rightly. Idiots, Dave. Idiots. You'd never catch me saying that. <laughs> um, right, get the previous recordings out from last season. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, that, that was that summed him up in Munich. He had yeah. a horrible game, yeah. like usual. Um, and he didn't get a goal. Yeah. from the three, which he usually did last season. He'd get a goal and have a horrible performance. But um, we lost 4-3, Dave. Yeah. And it was entertaining probably for the neutrals. wasn't entertaining for me because we gave stupid goals away again. Harry Kane got a penalty goal against us. Uh, embarrassing. It sounds close, though, 4-3. It sounds close. It, it shouldn't have been that. It shouldn't have been that. It should have been 5-0. <laughs> But never fear, Jim. You, you can re- rescue it because on Saturday evening, you were at home, no, away to Burnley. Now, mm. surely, Jim, Burnley's struggling at the bottom of the table. Surely, this isn't just a chance for a win. This is a chance to put several goals past Burnley and boost your goal difference and start moving up the table. And um, shrewd, uh, shrewd team selection by Ten Hag, uh, Johnny Evans starting. So, well, looked interesting. Yes. Uh, you know, I think I just dropped you off at the train station, Dave, and I was getting excited for this game. Mm-hmm. And I checked the team news. And then my excitement <laughs> plummeted. Um, I saw that Hannibal was playing. Yep. Scott McTominay was playing. Mm. And Trashford was playing. Uh, and then I saw our bench as well. That wasn't great. Uh, but no, Johnny Evans, that was one player that gave me belief, Dave. <laughs> that is a guy that is a Man United legend. That guy deserves respect. Um, <laughs> you know, people have been putting him in the brackets of Phil Jones, Harry Maguire. No, that's wrong. He is a top professional. Mm. Uh, I'm sure if Pep Guardiola could have afforded his wages, he'd be at Man City right now. <laughs> only, Man, pre- only Man United <laughs> pay those wages, Jim. <laughs> oh, you you don't want to pay fifty grand? Fine. Well, we'll pay two hundred and fifty grand. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha. Yeah, that's how we do business. Fooled <laughs> you. Um, but at least he's got he's got a Premier League medal, Jim. He's got a Premier League medal. Yeah. He's more successful than anyone in that squad. He's a Man United legend, having left United how many years ago? 11. 11 years ago. Gone away, forged a really successful career at Leicester and then come back and, yeah, somehow managed to blag his way into a contract. 
by training with United in, in the summer. Oh, and his wife is head of the uh, social media also. Forgot to mention that bit. Oh, really? <laughs> Helen. Helen Evans. Helen Evans. Helen is a legend of the Man United social media. Uh, well, she, she does the interviews and that sort of thing, but yeah. Uh, good Evans. Got, 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 yeah, good Evans. But yeah, I mean, he proved everyone wrong. He came up with a big header, powerful header. Should have been a goal. They are once again at it. I mean, one one rule for Man United, another rule for Man City. I believe Akanji was offside a couple of weeks ago when Ake yeah. headed the ball. Yeah. And the, the goal counted. Hoyland, he's been attacked by the keeper. The keeper can see the ball clearly. The keeper even reacts as soon as the ball is headed. But apparently Hoyland's interfering. But, I mean, it's just a load of rubbish to me, Dave. But we made up for it because Johnny Evans pinged a beautiful ball over the top just two minutes later. And then Bruno Fernandes, on the end of it, smashes one home. Yeah. And it's typical of Bruno, stat padding against these lesser teams. So, well done, Bruno. I'm proud of you. Well done. <laughs> yeah, he just knocked that one in, didn't he? Um, I don't know. How, how much do you moan in this game, Jim? How much moaning was there in gesticulations from him? Probably normal for him. Uh, probably a moan per... Probably three moans per minute. <laughs> so, n- nothing, nothing unusual in that yeah. game. So, you got away with a 1-0 victory, Jem, which propelled you up the table a little bit, anyway. Jem, yeah. uh, something I want to talk to you about, though. Uh, now, this sort of... I found this quite disturbing, and I don't really understand it. A couple of weeks ago, I read something about a singing section at Old Trafford. I know you weren't playing at Old Trafford in this game, but a singing section at Old Trafford for the Red Army. So, am I right in saying that United... Uh, Old Trafford and Man United, it's become so sterile now that they've got to coordinate and organise a singing section for this sort of self-proclaimed Red Army to actually try and make some noise. That is correct. Oh, OK. <laughs> we, we're a tourist club, Dave. <laughs> so we usually get probably, what, 30% of the, um, of the fans that come to the games. They're just there for, they want to take some pictures, right. they want to enjoy the day. And that, unfortunately, kills the atmosphere. I've not got anything against that because that's quite nice. I'd do the same if I was going to, uh, you know, if I'd supported Barcelona all my life, I would be potentially that guy taking all the pictures. But it kills our atmosphere, Dave. And, you know, we've got them loyal fans that go to every game, not me, uh, and sit above the tunnel. That's where the corner is. It's above the tunnel. And they will make their feelings clear, Dave. Right. They have multiple glazers out. Um, they, they, you could call them the uh, hooligans <laughs> of Manchester United. <laughs> but this is a this is a recognised section, a section that the club are promoting. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. So they're promoting a hooligan section to sing songs against the owners. Well, I mean, they get they get told off and the flags are removed, but uh, they're still doing that. Yes, they get told off. <laughs> Love it. It's bizarre, Jem. It's bizarre. You wouldn't get that at the London Stadium, Jem. The, the good old London Stadium, not not a sterile atmosphere, not a manufactured stadium, Jem. A real proper football stadium. <laughs> get down to the SMH Stadium, everybody. That's where proper football and 
is that is that the name of your stadium? Is that SM SMH, which is is it shaking my head stadium? <laughs> when we go up to League Two, it'll be shaking my head every week. <laughs> but I was pleased to see they're still sponsored by oh, who's the shirt sponsors again? Uh, Technique. Technique. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I know you're talking about last year's sponsors. Lean gate valves. Lean gate valves. Lean gate valves. I saw that sponsorship still there around the stadium, Jim. Yeah. And that made me proud that Lean gate valves are still uh, still sponsoring Chesterfield. And I I can imagine the business that Lean gate valves have got off of that sponsorship, Jim. I mean, if you want a valve, you're going to go to Lean gate, aren't you? Yeah. Well, the truth is, Dave. We after our mention on here. Uh, we thought they were going to obviously be amazing. They're going to take off now. Uh, they actually went bust. <laughs> and I put the, the advertisement signs in. Just If you notice, there was only two in the corner just where yeah. we were at. Yeah. I went in early, um, put them in. Nobody noticed, luckily. <laughs> and I uh, kept them there. Just to keep me happy. Just to, just to make, make, make you feel as though we did something. And uh, <laughs> That's the truth. That's well, I can only apologise to all the employees of Lingate Valves, and uh, I hope they found other employment uh, after our intervention. Oh dear! Being represented by bad people, apparently. <laughs> United United is not full mm. of bad people. Mm. Now, Jem, it's not for sure. It's full of good people. Jem, I'm going to move on to um, a really contentious game, and it was contentious for a number of reasons. Uh, not least of which I didn't know who I wanted to win this. In fact, I didn't want either team to win, but I didn't really want either team to draw either. This was the North London derby oh. that was played on Sunday between, uh, if anyone's unfamiliar with who the North London derby is between, it's between Arsenal and Spurs. Now, obviously, my position is I don't want Spurs to win anything. Yep. But also, I'm finding... Arsenal increasingly an increasingly irritating club to listen to and watch, uh, mainly because of their increasingly irritating manager. And uh, so I was in a real quandary here, Jem. I was in a real quandary. I sort of got excited when Arsenal scored, but then disappointed and then excited when Spurs equalised. But then, hang on, I can't cheer Spurs. So a real quandary for me, Jem. But this game featured... A, a really incredible VAR decision where, in fact, it wasn't that incredible where Romero handballed it, uh, blocked a shot with his arm, and it looked like he'd blocked the ball going in, so it was given as a penalty. Then VAR reviewed it, but um, it was it, the, the penalty stood. Yep. Um, so, Jem, handballs, handballs in football, where are we going with this? Because I think you mentioned to me before that... Um, Man United had a very similar situation against them. Yes. Yes, we did. Yep, exactly the same, Dave. Ball hit Romero's hand when it was above his head. Yep. So, where's the consistency? Where is the consistency indeed, Jem? And handballs, Jem, are uh, really interesting because we saw another example on the same day where Anthony Gordon... Uh, for Newcastle against Sheffield United, Jim. He was out on the left. Uh, he managed to keep the ball in 
just to cross the ball for another Newcastle player to score. And it, as part of as part of the process of keeping the ball in, the ball bounced up and hit his hand and then bounced down to his feet again. And this was deemed as not a handball and the goal stood. And, you know, Jem, the whole game turned on that. It was It would have been a very close game apart mm. from that one moment. I think Sheffield United can claim with, with lots of justification that if it wasn't for that, they wouldn't have lost 8-0. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but Jem, there's, there's these inconsistencies around the handball. And I, I've take, taken it upon myself to read the handball law. And I've got to say, having read it this morning, I am none the wiser. It's so confusing, Jem, because it's all about, it's all about, is the player making his body bigger by spreading his arms and putting his arms in an unnatural position? Uh, another little thing, Jem, to just mention about this is I, this whole thing about where's the, where does the upper arm end and the shoulder begin? Not that this was relevant this weekend, but do you know the answer to that? Where does the upper arm end and the shoulder begin for handball? Well, I mean, it changes all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. I thought it was the bottom of the sleeve. Bottom of the sleeve. That's what we all think, isn't it? Mm. The rule is actually <laughs> the bottom of the armpit. <laughs> so, Jem, if we started to scout for players with really big armpits... <laughs> That go quite a long way because if you think, where is the bottom of my armpit? Where where does the armpit yeah, I'm, end? I'm literally feeling now, and I everybody's can't... feeling their armpits right now, right? I'm trying to figure out is that the end of the armpit? How far down my arm is that? So you know, are we going to have like almost medical examinations for handballs <laughs> where the ball bounces off of the top of the arm and the player saying, "Ref, my armpit's actually down here," and getting taking his shirt off and showing the ref, and it will get booked for taking his shirt off, obviously, but. But, you know, this is like we, we probably need um, medical practitioners to intervene. And and Jim, for the handballs themselves about this arm in an unnatural position, we're going to need some sort of body specialist, maybe, I don't know, ballet, ballerinas to come in and sort of demonstrate how you can keep your balance with your arms at certain positions and how you can't keep your balance with your arms at other positions. We're going to need absolute specialists here around body movement. Yep. So. It's getting more complicated, Jim, to understand to to understand our game. Mm -hmm. Don't know what your thoughts are on all of that. No, it's just useless, isn't it? <laughs> just, yeah. We've got a bunch of idiots in charge of our game. Yeah, it's it's making rules up. Just draw a line. If it hits the arm, it's a foul. There we go. Indeed, Jim, and. The other thing that I want to talk about here, and this is, I, I am starting a campaign, Jem, here and now, because, you know, we've had so many problems with VAR, offsides, Jem. And we've had this thing the other week where Ten Hag was saying, uh, although it was given offside, it wasn't offside. So he was arguing with the facts when uh, United uh, played Arsenal for that disallowed goal by Garnacho. And one of the things... And listeners, you're going to, this is another thing you're going to start paying attention to once I've said it. One of the things we do not pay attention to when we draw the lines for uh, VAR for offside is the moment of contact with the ball when the ball is released by the uh, attacking player. So when the ball is kicked. And 
I think that VAR needs to pay more attention to that. Now, the rule is, Jem, uh, as, as you may know, the rule is that it's when the ball leaves the player's foot, not when the ball arrives at the player's foot. And you might say, well, isn't that the same thing? Well, not necessarily, Jem. You know, as, as you kick the ball, there is a moment as the ball comes to you and then you kick it all in one movement. And I think we need to be analysing that... Uh, that moment to make sure we're getting the right freeze frame because that can be the difference between onside and offside. And interestingly, Jim, I think you know where I'm going with this. There is, there is a Danish manager who has exploited this, who's looked at this and say, well, if it's at the point that it leaves your foot, not at the point it, con it contacts your foot, as long as it's all in the same movement, surely I could train my players to catch the ball on their foot uh, and then my player can run into an offside position, an apparently offside position, and the player with the ball uh, hooked onto his foot can then flick it over the defenders to his attacker, who would be onside, even though he's standing in what looks like an offside position, because it's the moment the ball leaves the foot, not the moment the ball um, arrives at the foot, so long as it's all one continuous contact, if that makes sense. So yeah. this manager is basically saying... He needs a team of midfield ball jugglers to be able to catch the ball on their foot, hold it there for a few seconds while their forwards run offside and then the ball's flicked over to the player and it's not offside. You explained it very well, Dave. Well, now I've got loads of things going through in my mind. Mm. So I know I'm going to try this and I'm going to get called offside. I'm going to say, well, no, actually, if, <laughs> if the ball... Is on the floor, but the let's say the foot is always in continuous contact. contact contact with the ball. Would that count, or does the ground cancel out the rule? I don't know about that, Jim, because I think that would be so. You're almost saying you'd be pushing the ball along with your foot. I'm thinking scooping it round, yeah, scooping it round. Well, that's going to be. I think the referee is going to say. You know, I think it came out of contact with your foot for a millisecond as you're pushing it. Whereas when it's on your foot, there is no doubt that the ball is stuck to your foot. You know, it's there. It's balanced on your foot. And this is the rule that this Danish Danish manager, he hasn't. What he's done is he's put this as a theoretical principle to FIFA and say, I think there's a loophole here and we're going to try it. What do you think? So he's basically asking them. Do they think it's legal? And they've come back and said, actually, we're going to have to change the rules <laughs> because this is legal. So, Jem, on your, your next, when are you next playing? When are you next playing in your, your, your games? Uh, it'll probably be Thursday. Thursday night. OK. Practice your ball juggling skills before then. Practice yep. catching the ball on your, on your foot. What, which, foot are you, which foot do you favour? Your right foot, your left foot? Well, I don't mind either, Dave, but okay. I'll say. OK. Well, whichever foot, Jem. Practice catching it on that foot, balancing it on that foot and telling your strikers to get a move on up front and then hooking it over them and see and then have a and then have a philosophical discussion with the referee when he disallows it. I'll do it with both feet, Dave. <laughs> and then there'll be no doubt that it's not left my foot. I'll be like a kangaroo. <laughs> That's where I was going with the point. Um, <laughs> I will be flying, basically. Right. Uh but yeah, I'm I'm going to give it a go, and then I'm going to cause a big scene when they flag for offside. Yeah, I'm going to say, get the rule book out now. Yeah, get the rule back out, and I'll probably get sent off. But <laughs> um, it's very interesting. 
Wow. And it does make me think, you know, as, as people who work in sport, Dave, we we maybe should start exploring more roles in other sports and start, maybe we could sell our ideas. If we find little loopholes, start selling them. Yeah. See how yeah. much teams are willing to uh, invest. These are the marginal gains we're looking for, Jim. Uh, yeah. These loopholes in sport, in sports rules. Uh, one of my ones, Jim, I don't think there's any restriction on the size that your tennis racket can be. So what's to stop you coming out with a tennis racket that's the size of the tennis court? Now, I admit it would be a bit unwieldy to, uh, to serve. I, I get that. You might have to just sort of prop it up and throw the ball at it and hope it bounces over into the, into the uh, service court on the other side of the net. But once the game, once the rally's underway, you just stick your racket over the tennis court and hopefully it'd have to be angled. I haven't thought this through completely, Gem. But, you know, if you rushed up to the net with it, there's no way they're getting it. Well, I suppose they could lob you. So it'd have to be a pretty high racket. Mm. So I think there's some logistical issues with this, but Jem, but, you know, <laughs> I, I still think there's a, a potential angle there. I don't know what you think. Uh, I'm just thinking of all the ways now. It'd be, it'd be a bit like Wii Sports, wouldn't it? It'd be, you know, there'd be a, a, a big racket on wheels. It has to go... <laughs> It has to go to the net during play. Yep. It has to go back behind the baseline during a serve. Yep. But I'm sure it, I'm sure there's something, Dave. There's something sure there. We could make it work. And I don't know if there are any rules that it, your racket can't be on wheels. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So that's to be to be explored, Jim. So, yeah, there's more loopholes to be found. So yep. that's uh, good. Good. I'm glad you're on board with me, Jim. Yeah, definitely. I think it's very, I think it's very intelligent. Very good. Uh, Dave, you mentioned the uh, Sheffield United-Newcastle game. Mm. Uh, I was quite scarred from that, actually. It was quite painful to watch. Yeah. Uh, so painful that uh, I became confused. I I had a couple of nightmares. And from that, it turned out that I overlaid, Dave. And the next morning, Kaya um, woke me up and said, come on, it's nine. And I responded very shakily, going, what? They've scored again? Oh, so, um... <laughs> yeah, I can see how that that's really affected you, hasn't it? Yeah, okay. I, uh, I, th- I thought that all by myself. Yeah, I'll that's just, very good. I'll, I'll have to listen back to that one to make sure it's worked. But, um... <laughs> it has worked. It's brilliant. And yeah. how how did you feel after that nightmare? How did you feel? <laughs> I felt Eddie. <laughs> I had Eddie Heady. Eddie Heady. Yeah. Eddie Heady and what I really liked Jen was our good good mate Jason Tyndall sending yeah. on messages telling the players how great he is <laughs> I, really, I really liked that one Dave that was fun that was great that, that was good because right, he he, uh, he just comes across like that type of guy that would write one of them things so yeah for uh, anyone that didn't see it he had a written note I think Newcastle were about 6-0 up at the time <laughs> Yeah. And he wrote a written note um, and sent it on. And then I think it was, was it Dan Byrne opened it? Somebody. Yeah, opened it. someone, yeah. And uh, we believe it just had the Superman logo on it. Something like that. With the Chavi S that he used to do in school. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Jason. Jason. Chavi S. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a, there was a uh, yellow card in that game, Dave, from Jack Robinson. He put a great tackle in on Sean Longstaff, and uh, the referee gave him a booking. Trippier was up in 
the referee's face. It was a beautiful tackle. Mm. And the referee bottled it. Uh, the game's gone, Dave. The game is gone. You mm. you can't you can't make good tackles anymore. It's different, you know, if you follow through with your studs on and make contact, but if you get the ball so cleanly. Mm. Oh, come on. What about um Eddie and Ketia getting the goalkeeper really cleanly in the Spurs game? I mean, come on. All we want is consistency. I mean, the, the keeper could have had a broken leg. Yeah, that was absolutely shocking. And that was, what, a yellow card, I think? Was it even a yellow card? I think it was a yellow card. I think they gave a yellow, didn't they? Yeah. In, in the end, eventually, after... Yeah, after much yeah. faffing. Should have been a straight red. Should have been. Should have been a straight red. But talking about Sheffield United, Jim, you know, they've, they've suffered an 8-0 humiliation at home. And um, what they're going to do now, Jim, is they are going to be galvanised by this. They're going to be well up for the next game because they won't want to be humiliated again, Jim. And whoever they're playing next, I think they need to watch out. It's going to be it's going to be a, a tough, tough game. Who are they playing next? Uh, West Ham. Right. Carlos Tevez Derby. <laughs> we thought this was going to be a walkover, Jim. And now Sheffield United are galvanised. <laughs> So we shall see. We shall see what happens at the London Stadium. We shall. We shall. Uh, we've got a couple of things here, Dave. Mm-hmm. A couple of quick ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Monday Night Football. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sky absolutely doing their customers over again. Forest at home to Burnley. <sighs> that was the game. Yeah. One one. It finished. Yeah. Championship, uh, championship game. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going back to championship, isn't it? Mm. Um, Chelsea losing 1-0 at home to Villa. Uh, everyone's bantering Chelsea, Dave. Even Domino's Pizza are bantering <laughs> Chelsea that. now. Because, Dave, you may have seen it. Uh, the listeners who may not have, they, I'm going to have to give this stat out. Um, after the game, they tweeted... Domino's have delivered 852,609 pizzas since Chelsea last scored a goal. <laughs> uh, I mean, Ali, if you're listening to this on your travel back from work, good luck. Do you know what, Jem? I know Pochettino gets a lot of stick. Um, keep him there. Keep him there. You've got to be loyal to this manager, Jem. It's a bit like Potter last year. You've got to keep him there, Jem. And, uh, you know, keep him there as long as possible. That's what I would say. Yep. And he's doing a great job. So long may it continue. <laughs> and uh, Nicholas Jackson already has a one-match ban because he's picked up five yellow cards. I think four of those have been for dissent, speaking to the referees. So fair play. He's a hero. We'll talk <laughs> rest like that. And that's reminded me, actually, didn't Kai Havertz reach a, a milestone on Sunday for, for the ex-Chelsea player who they managed to con Arsenal into paying £65 million for? Didn't he reach a milestone on Sunday? Did you oh, see I this? I didn't see this. I think he reached 007. Oh, God. Seven games, zero. So, zero assists, zero goals, seven games. <laughs> Things we like to see. Uh, we love it. Sixty-five million for him. We love it. But that's peanuts compared to the some of the money Chelsea have spent. Yeah, on players that are well disastrous. Yeah, I mean they spent a hundred million on the Ukrainian W double O seven. So, uh... <laughs> and also, uh, you know, look at look at the business West Ham did, Jim. 
we've got Alvarez for the fra- a fraction of the price that uh, Chelsea have paid for their defensive midfielders. And we've got um, James Ward-Prowse, Gem. He scored or assisted in every game he's played this season. How this guy is not an England international, I do not know. We are set-piece United, Gem. Yep. We are set-piece United. And if you look at the whip, the ball... Uh, Ward Prowse gets on the ball on these corner deliveries. It's quite incredible. In fact, I'll I'll put a screenshot of um of him taking a of him in midair after he's taken a corner. The the technique is remarkable, Jim. Is he like the dog in the snow or the cat in the snow? Have you seen that picture of the cat? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very similar. Like very similar, Jim. Sort of jumping in the air with his arms by his side, actually. So interesting oh. technique. Oh. So yeah, that's that's good. Um I've got one for you, Jim. Before yep. we before we finish, hang on. My something is beeping, and I'm going to switch it off. Uh, yeah, the one for you is um, you mentioned earlier about loan players, and I think you said something about never get a loan player's name on your shirt. Did you say that, or did I imagine that? I think you imagined that, Dave. Oh, okay. You said something about a loan player. I said never fall in love with never a... fall in love with a loan player, and it reminded me. Obviously, you would never get a loan player's name on the back of your club shirt, would you? Um, and Charlie, who's a listener to this podcast occasionally, my son, he, I can remember a story from when he was young and he was made to support West Ham. He chose to support West Ham, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the early days, Jem, uh, we went to watch a West Ham game and as we uh, came away from the stadium, he said, Oh, that Defoe. I love that Defoe. Dad, can I have Defoe on the back of my shirt? And I said, Charlie, never get a player's name on the back of your shirt because you just don't know how long they will be there. That was the same season, Jim, that we got relegated at Birmingham. And in the dressing room, at the end of the game that we got relegated, the final game of the season, uh, Defoe handed in a transfer request. So not only never get a lone player's name on the back of your shirt, that would be madness. Just never get a player's name on the back of your shirt. No matter how good you think they are, no matter how loyal you think they're going to be, they won't be there for long, Jim. That's great advice. Unless it's Johnny, unless it's Johnny Evans, of course. So all those kids that got Johnny Evans' name on the back of their shirts back 12 years ago, something mm-hmm. like that, they're laughing now, aren't they? Oh, they are. <laughs> they are indeed. I wasn't one of them. I wasn't. <laughs> My eyes weren't opened at that point. Um, I'll, I'll listen back to the uh, previous episode, Dave. Mm. And I was conscious we didn't mention uh, a certain team, uh, a certain someone who feeds us a lot of our content. Right. And that's Ian and Crystal Palace. Yep. And, well, I'm sure he would love to have a Crystal Palace with Eze on the back because Eze's staying forever, isn't he? You know, go go on in, get a um, SA shirt, Palace. He'll be staying for a very long time. He's signed a new contract, hasn't he? So I think we should see that. I think we should see that happen. What do you think, Dave? Oh, well, I think if, if he does that, if he gets SA on the back of his shirt, that will be something he can wear proudly till January. So <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Ian. You know, you'll get, you'll get at least three months' wear out of it. So, yeah, get your money's worth. Crazy. But in, in the last week, I think Ian has been uh, sharing our violent thoughts towards VAR, Dave, mm-hmm. uh, after the Villa game, where, unfortunately, Roy Hodgson wasn't able to attend. Mm. 
So, you know, I, I don't know what that was for. I think health reasons. Uh, yeah. Shame on Villa for not allowing Palace to get the win. Uh, but and I think it was 1-1 up until the 98th minute, Dave. Yeah. And Douglas Luiz scores a pen. And then I think uh, Leon Bailey scored a third. Um, VAR in fine form once again. And I, I just, I, I'm just thinking back to stuff like that, Dave, and it makes me sick again. Mm. It makes. What can I say, Jim? We've, we've, we, we will just keep talking about VAR, won't we? We will just keep talking about VAR. Uh, and go take me back to Chesterfield. <laughs> take me back to Chesterfield, where there's no VAR. The world where there's no VAR, Jim. And yeah, we'll we'll accept the two yards offsides. We'll accept the blatant handballs. We'll accept the players punching the ball off the goal line and the referee not seeing it because he thinks the player's headed it. We'll accept the two-footed tackles. So long as we don't have to put up with them, drawing those lines, <laughs> getting it wrong. Uh, well, it, it, it's a downer, isn't it, to end the podcast? <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little VAR rant. Well, I think that's where we should end, Jim, because otherwise we're just going to keep ranting and that's going to, you know, we don't want to be boring, do we? We don't no. want to be boring. No. We want no. to leave the listeners on a high. And, uh, oh, I've been talking of which, I'm going to end with a joke. Okay, yeah. So, Jim, what does Arnold Schwarzenegger say when starting a game of chess? <laughs> Go on. I'll be black. <laughs> Very good. And on that bombshell, we will be back in a few weeks. Indeed. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, to anyone that's still awake, well done. You've, you've done really well to get this far. And we'll speak to you soon. See you soon. <laughs>